what all bands have you been in throughout your entire musical career, Shaddy? Okay, the Southern Illinois Blues All-Stars, the Ivis John Band, Big Larry and the Down Home Blues Band, Minimum Wage, the Square Jays, um, Sweet and Low, Good and Plenty, Caravan, Larry Dillard's Blues Therapy, Train Azul, um, uh, goodness, Secondhand Cartoons, uh, Minim- I've already said minimum wage. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, it's like a it's like a game show. Sucks to you? get old. <laughs> My memory's gone. Um, King Juba. Um, oh, there's so many. Uh, I've played with uh, Sharon Clark. Um, you're gonna have to edit the heck out of this. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is oh. it, man. This is the gold. This Goodness. is the gold, man. That gets you close to it, uh, and that gets us into episode ten. Uh, <laughs> we're in uh, we're in double digits now. We've grown up. We're in our uh, we're in our preteens now that we uh, that we've reached episode ten. And the person that is here for this episode is Mr. Shaddy Frick, somebody who folks all over town, all over Southern Illinois know. Uh, you know, very much a Mr. Music type, uh, but so much more to him than that. And I'm excited to get to know him a little bit more and get to share that person with you folks today. And as we were just talking here, oh, yeah, yeah, I missed that part. It's WTF Carbondale, the podcast where we talk to interesting people about their interesting lives. And we tie it all back to this little old place we call home, Carbondale, Illinois. And you really know how to call this place home because you're like a generational resident. I don't even have to ask you where you're from or how you got (laughs) here because you just (laughs) a rock rolled down the street one day and that was you. That's true. That's true. (laughs) I mean, my great great grandparents are from Carbondale. Well, they they moved to Carbondale and then from there we all got stuck in town. Do you know what brought your great great grandparents to Carbondale to begin with? Um. Honestly, Syndicated I, crime? No, I'm just <laughs> actually, I think it was my great grandparents that brought my great great grandparents into town. Okay, because um, my great grandfather, who was actually a, a pretty famous chef throughout Carbondale and one of the first cooks at uh, uh, Giant City Lodge, uh-huh. uh, moved here from Hickman, Kentucky, and my great grandmother was originally from Mounds, Illinois, and somehow or another ended up in Carbondale. And I'm not sure if anybody really knows how they got here, other than maybe for work. Um, but uh, ever since then, my grandparents, my parents, and me, and now my <laughs> kids uh, are going through it. So I guess my kids are Generation Six. Nice. So for better or for worse. I, I dig that, man. And I don't I don't talk to a lot of people that are as towny in this place as as I am. You know, like I kind of tell folks that come through, it's like, yeah, it's kind of like the Matrix. They do make us here. You know, there there are some of us that are born without the little plug-in in the back of our necks. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, you know, um, a lot of people have asked me, well, why haven't you left town? And I said, why would I leave this place? Yeah. You know, it, it's it's given my, my family and me the, the best of all worlds. And, and as a musician, I mean, what better place in southern Illinois? I mean, it's its own oasis, you know. Yeah. So. It's a real wonder wall. Yeah. No, I'm just now I'm just making no aces well, jokes. You know, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Forgive me. No, I mean, and this is it's very much a when you when you look at places throughout modern America musical history, right? 
it's always been very place-based. A Muscle Shoals, Alabama, a Motown, a, I don't know, you're way better at this than I am. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's that that's the kind of vibe that I get out of Carbondale for musicians. Sure. Is that something that you kind of... Well, yeah, you know, and, and we've had a lot of very talented musicians come through Carbondale. Actually, one of the, the earliest... Uh, famous musicians to come from Carbondale is Frankie Trumbauer, okay. who performed uh, with Louis Armstrong and um, actually has his own space in uh, Wikipedia and all these places. But uh, I actually named my junior high jazz band award after Frankie Trumbauer, and they're like, who the heck is this guy? <laughs> and um, was a uh, saxophonist for, uh, for uh, I think, eventually moved out of Carbondale mm -hmm. to become famous because, you know, uh, but you know, uh, Big Twist is another one that comes to my mind. Um, sh uh, here goes my memory again. Um, <laughs> Sean Colvin, of course. Oh yeah, yeah. I actually uh, we we uh, I had talked to her, one of her booking agents here like maybe a year ago or so. Yeah. We wanted like fifteen thousand dollars to come back to town. Just to come back, well, you know, maybe you should per persuade some of our old bandmates to to talk her into. I don't know if the old bandmates would help bring her back or not. Too like somebody, somebody's like, oh, I don't know what her relationship is with her old bandmates and stuff like that. And I know we've had Jim Bruno like come back to town sure. for stuff before as well. And here I'm getting close to breaking one of my own rules in this conversation. <laughs> but you you get what I'm saying. It's like they're they're out there. But yeah, no, I I don't. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to do to get her to not cost $15,000 to come back to town. Personal phone call. <laughs> please, please come Help. back to Carbondale. And I, and we I need you. I, I think I like messaged her on Facebook or like messaged her pays on Facebook or something. I didn't even know how big of a deal that she was. I think I just like saw somebody share a post and I was like, hey, you want to come back to town for a show? And the next thing I know, it's like, okay, well, yeah, we'll come back for a show, but it's going to cost you. <laughs> Must be nice to have that kind of uh, star power, I guess. <laughs> we still have, I mean, how many people that still just live around town either have a Grammy or have been Grammy nominated? There's at least oh, absolutely. several. <laughs> oh, and that, that reminds me, another person I used to perform with, Kevin Lucas. Uh -huh. He's a Grammy-nominated yep. artist. I played with him for several years uh, when it was the Dead Musician Society and then the Kevin Lucas Orchestra. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I played music with him and and uh, yeah he's a very talented musician now i've uh, i like kevin uh the dude has got so much energy in a space that so few people operate with the unique percussion instruments that he plays like how do you how do you complement that from your own perspective i mean what are your kind of main focuses that you like to play and how do you kind of complement other folks with what you with what you play oh well you know a lot of it just depends on the group. As as a, as a bass player, which is my first love, my dad was a bass player. You know, I feel like it's my role to to hold down the the groove and be a supporting role. Mm -hmm. If I'm playing keys and sax in a band like King Juba, uh, or if I'm playing sax with Ivis or whoever might be hiring me, then it's a, a supporting role as a uh, either an accompanist or a soloist. Mm -hmm. um, and back in the day when I had my own jazz groups, uh, the Good and Plenty, which became Caravan, um, 
which I got fired from my own band. That's that's, <laughs> that's a story we could talk about too. Yeah, well, yeah we absolutely um, will. I want to know how you get fired from your yeah. own band. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, as a leader, you know, it's it's a lot more difficult to lead a band than it is to just be in a band because mm-hmm. then you have to deal with booking the band at places. And that means you have to work with people and make phone calls and mm-hmm. text people and negotiate and contracts. I just want to play my instrument and make some money, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and entertain people. And, uh, but, and then working in my studio, I feel like my job then as a recording engineer is to help make or support the musician that's coming in the room mm-hmm. To make them sound the best that they can possibly be, you know. Oh, absolutely. How long have you had the studio for now? Uh, two thousand five. Wow. Yeah, that's wild. And uh, you know, and I've got to give a, a shout out to uh, to a lot of my studio friends around here, Mike Lascelius, um, you know, Jim Forrester who runs Mohol Studios, mm-hmm. um, Josie, um, Robbie Stokes. Um, they've all really been supportive. Like when I first got started with recording and things like that, mm-hmm. I would ask a bazillion questions. I, in fact, I spent a good part of my Christmas break in 2001 <laughs> at, at Mike Lascelius' studio, more so just to nose around and see what it, how he mics uh, things up and how he uh, runs the studio. And uh, it was worth the studio time just to get that experience. So, yeah, I've got, you know... I would not be where I'm at without the help of all of my friends and colleagues in the music business in Southern Illinois. So, you know, I got to give them props. I mean, it's, it's a community thing, right? You can't just build up as a single individual. doing. It's totally, it's, it's a family affair. And that's the other thing I really like about Southern Illinois and Carbondale in particular. I mean, uh, all of us know each other and respect each other. If it doesn't matter if we're a hip hop artist or a country artist or a, funk band or a blues <laughs> band or whatever i mean yeah. we all network and we all you know we work well together and it's it's like a big family yeah well that's it's kind of cool that it's just big enough that kind of everybody can participate but it's just small enough that everybody actually knows each other right right like it, it, that's what makes carbondale great because you know you it's kind of uh kind of where you you can make yourself known as a musician but it you're still part of a community without being um oh i don't want to say uh big fish in a little pond or whatever <laughs> uh, but you can you can have your you can have your big twist and your mellow yellow right <laughs> exactly 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 uh so you were, you were talking a little bit before we got started with this as well just about how uh, you know, you got to work with some of the legendary artists, you know, in the scene at a young age, like coming up, you, you don't just have the experience of having joined a band and kind of stumbled your way through it and whatever. It's, you've almost had like more of a pointed opportunity to work with the people that really were the best of the best. And it's really been, uh, either a big stroke of luck or a blessing <laughs> or maybe a curse. I yeah. don't know. Um, you know, because uh, my my dad and my uncle Ford and Ronnie Frick had a band from the I would say the late 1950s, and they played up through their early 1990s, off and on here in Southern Illinois. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my weekends as a kid would be going to 
what we called the animal clubs, uh-huh. the elks, the moose, the eagles, the, <laughs> the you know, I, there were family-friendly the places. Do lions have physical club locations, too? I don't know. I don't I'm know. sorry? I said, did lions have physical club locations, too? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember going to any lions clubs. Yeah. Um, but uh, but as a kid, I thought it was so cool to be a part, you know, and I just went to hang out. And, you mm-hmm. know, I didn't know I was absorbing all of this knowledge of, of music. And then uh, I, I remember learning about the Nashville number system before I learned how to read music. <laughs> and, and I would, you know, I would I would tell people, you know, we're going to a one chord to a four chord or whatever. And they're like, what the heck are you talking about? So what, what is what is the Nashville version? Um, I, I don't know anything about music. Nashville number but. system is based on uh, scale degrees. Okay. Like if you're in the key of C, C is one, D is two, E is three, F is four, G is five, et cetera, uh-huh. et cetera. Uh-huh. And then you've got your majors and your minors you know and and so instead of specifying a a chord like if we're playing a song in the key of b flat and all of a sudden the band leader or or somebody wants to change it to another key we don't have to worry about chord changes we just have have the numbers to work with which to me is a lot easier Mm -hmm. but uh i remember my mom and my dad both saying you know don't be musically illiterate you know don't just depend on your ears mm-hmm. and uh it i really fought it for a long time because y- you know i played piano by ear growing up um and well, any instrument i picked up i played by ear first and i really did not read music well until i was in high school mm-hmm. and then i realized hey i needed to get to get this uh under my thumb or else I'm I'm not going to make it in college or or anywhere else and it really served me well to to learn how to read and to use my ears um it's given me a lot of really good opportunities nice so have you have you always known that like music was the career path that you wanted to go to then i would you know i would say from my just under my preteen years on, I knew that's what I was good at, mm-hmm. and I wanted to pursue it somehow or another. At one time, I thought I was going to be a jazz musician living in the city, playing <laughs> gigs, and mm-hmm. um, you know, initially I was going to be a jazz studies major, move away from Carbondale, uh, get a jazz studies degree, play gigs, work towards you know making it as a jazz musician. Mm-hmm. Actually. My my real dream was to become a, a studio musician, like for a studio band, like a TV studio band, yeah, like yeah. I, the David Letterman band. I used to love Johnny Carson's band, the Tonight Show band, the original mm-hmm. uh, Doc Severinsen band. I thought, man, how cool would it be to have a gig where you just play music and millions of people get to watch you on TV, and you have you have that. Um, for me, I love the challenge of having something thrown in front of me music-wise, mm-hmm. and okay, we're gonna play this song tonight at the show. Uh, be ready for it. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, you know, I've had some opportunities like that locally, which I appreciate. Um, but you know, it's amazing how things, you know, what you think is going to happen with your life and then what really comes to being. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't trade, trade it for the world. I mean, um, SIU Carbondale and the school of music was very good to me. Um, when, when I decided to go to school here, I mean, I already knew all the professors, the music yeah. professors, particularly uh, Mike Haynes. Um, I grew up know, knew, knowing Mike through church. 
Um, I mean, Eric Mandet was my saxophone professor. Um, Bob Allison was my jazz band. Uh, and Phil Brown. All those guys I grew up knowing. Mm -hmm. And so it felt like home to me. And, uh, you know, I really enjoyed my college years were probably the best years of my life because not only did I get to, to really hone my craft, but I also got to gig in town mm -hmm. and it kind of established myself as a musician here. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was also getting my music education degree and I knew I wanted to teach. And even, even in college, um, I remember Mike Haynes telling me, and I even have it written down in one of my, I, I still have a, my, it's called the Mike Haynes binder. When you were in his <laughs> class, you had to keep a binder uh -huh. of, of things that, uh, you know, just articles and things. This is before the internet. Mm -hmm. So you <laughs> back know, when you had to clip it out, right? And <laughs> copy and paste. And, and I remember and one thing. of the the notes Mike said to me was, "You know, you would be great working with younger kids." Uh -huh. I thought, man, no, forget it. I'm going to teach high school students. <laughs> and you know, here I am. I'm in my 16th year at Carbondale wow. Middle School, and I love it. I love working with middle school kids. And they like people. People look at me like I'm crazy, and mm -hmm. I'm like. But I mean, I can I can work with these kids. I can still shape them and and mm -hmm. and, and teach them how to love music. And and it's not only about music, but it's it's about uh, you know f when I was in junior high. I mean, music was such an important part of my life, and the being around other like-minded people was kind of like my safe haven. Mm -hmm. And and I really try to foster that with my kids at the middle school. You mean to be around like-minded people? No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know about that, but <laughs> no, but uh, but no, seriously though, I mean the the, the kids are are like family to me, and yeah. I, and I really love what I do. And you know, I always say I'm a music educator first and a musician second. Yeah. Um, and and sometimes those roles are reversed, but. You know, I I love teaching as much as I love performing, mm -hmm. and and I really feel like it, it was it was a, a calling given to me, uh, because um, I feel like it's as a performer I can perform and entertain somebody for for a night, mm -hmm. and they'll just go about their merry way and and oh yeah that was great, uh -huh. you know. But if if you can teach a kid music, that's something they can have for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. And, and love it, you know. And, and I tell my students, I said, you don't have to be a professional musician to love music. Mm -hmm. And, um, you, know, uh, you know, I've had some very talented kids come from Carbondale that have made it big. Um, I taught a hip-hop class at Carbondale Middle School for a few years, and one of the, one of the, the kids that came through my class is Cortland Jabray, who's mm -hmm. a major hip-hop artist right now. Yeah. Um, you know... Um, we just shot a music video on Friday, so <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm serious. Like I just, we just really? shot, yeah, just shot a video with him. the the one that he popped up on uh, on uh, on his Facebook yesterday. Wow, the one that we, that's that we fun. So you'll, you know, it, and it makes me happy to see. You know, I I keep in touch with so many of my former students, mm -hmm. um, and it's scary that some of them are in their 30s now. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, you know, because. I used to think I was the young band director, right? And now I'm turning into an old fart. But uh, <laughs> but I really like having those connections with, with with them and just to see how they've prospered in life, whether they've continued on mm -hmm. in music or if they just love music. Um, but it's it's you know being a part of 
something. It's, it's very family type atmosphere, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Well, it's almost like eventually you will make it to that tonight show or that late show, and it may not be you there physically, but a part of you is going to be there with one of your students. Well, that, and and that would that would totally thrill me. That would be worth it. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I never know who, you know, from from fourth grade all the way through eighth grade. I, you know, it's it's such a cool thing to see a kid open up their instrument case for the first time mm-hmm. and make the squeaks and squawks and whatever. <laughs> or you know, and every kid wants to be a drummer too, so uh-huh. they're they're beating on stuff. Okay, so how yeah. I I I, that, I have a question for you personally because I need help with this. Okay. All right, so my kids, uh, Zach picked up a trumpet. Peyton picked up the flute. Peyton's really latched on the flute. We've got her a little keyboard to play with and, and so on and so forth. Zach didn't like the trumpet, so I went out and got him a decent starter set of drums off Craigslist. Oh, no, oh, you didn't. I, I did. Oh, no. Oh, I went and got the whole. I went and got you the terrible whole, person. What, for getting him the whole kit and caboodle? Well, no. For putting him on drums, <laughs> too many but, drummers. But now, but now he he doesn't want to touch them. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what to do with him next because they're both interested in music. But he just anyway doesn't doesn't Put like the drums, drums on Heartland. If, you, if you're community saying it's not a problem because we got too many drummers, it. great. I'm on board. <laughs> maybe maybe that is the right thing. <laughs> I, I had 21 drummers in the middle school drum line last year, <laughs> <laughs> and we sounded great. Don't get me wrong, and I got to give out a shout out to my drum coach Jermaine Bollinger, who's been my drum coach for years, and he also a fellow musician yeah. that I play in bands with. But, but uh, twenty one drummers, oh my goodness, out of a, <laughs> out of a band of eighty kids, you know. When, how when, many drummers? How many drummers is a good balance for a band of eighty kids? In that about case? five. About <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, you know, uh. um, and I'm I'm biased. No, it really. Um, I think every kid gravitates towards drums because it's something they can do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always, my beginning band teacher put me on a trumpet. Yeah. I wanted to play tenor saxophone. There was Chivalbine's music had no tenor saxophones on display. Mm-hmm. She's like, here, try this trumpet. You'll love it. A week mm-hmm. later, get me a saxophone or I quit. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, oh no, we, we want your money. We can't let you quit now. Oh, it's... No, it, it, it. I, I lucked out. We got a we got a really inexpensive deal on a set of nice flutes for Peyton, and uh, the Chivalvines contracts were aggressive. But I imagine you've at least got a good relationship there for I, many you know, years. I I have a I I've always had a good relationship uh, business relationship with Chivalvines, and you know they're kind of a dying breed. Yeah, really. I mean, for them to to be able to survive. I mean, the the rental programs are their bread and butter, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and and but but the problem that that all of us are facing, including the music stores, mm-hmm. is you know a good quality beginner instrument is almost cost prohibitive, even from mm-hmm. a rental standpoint. Yeah. Um, when I was in grade school, uh, uh, a beginner level saxophone that was a quality brand mm-hmm. was about seven hundred dollars. A beginner saxophone now you're talking at least twice that. Wow. And the thing that we're up against now are what I call the uh, the uh, internet, I won't specify any websites, but yeah. the internet 
um, overseas made saxophone, well, any instrument that you can, you know, when the price seems too good, it's, there's a reason. Yeah. <laughs> when, when a saxophone's 150 bucks, yeah, there's, there's a reason for it. And, uh, you know, generally like with, with my students, if, if, if it's cost prohibitive for them to buy or rent an instrument through the music store, mm -hmm. I will personally go out and try to find them an instrument. And we, and we have some instruments at the school that we loan out to the kids. And, nice. but you know, I always make sure that no matter what their social economic status is, mm -hmm. that they have an instrument to play on. I mean, um, quite honestly, my, my, my saxophone, uh, when I was in grade school, got repoed. I mean, family was going through tough times, mm -hmm. and um, if it weren't for having a school instrument to use up through my junior year of high school, um, goodness knows where I'd be at today. Ah, that's a beautiful Maybe story. Maybe I'd be a stand-up comedian. and uh, <laughs> Just got to be one more, just one more you musicians out there saying you can be stand-up comedians. I you well, I could be a laying down comedian. <laughs> I could just lay down flat on the floor and tell some jokes. Uh, I love it. I always, uh, I always bust chops of uh, of performers and stuff. I'm like, you guys always, you know, it's like, hey, what, what's a musician really want to be? They really want to be a stand up comedian, but they can't do it without an instrument in their hand. Right. Well, you know, we have to have something to dodge the tomatoes. So that's it. We've got that's the saxophone it. in the way or the, the guitar. Uh, um, the um, no, I mean that's that's a that's a big thing, right? Because we we live in a society where it is something that if you don't have the the material means to acquire uh you know something like an instrument that you're just left on the sidelines so right. knowing that you're in there trying to facilitate and find the ways to get these kids involved in music one way or the other it's yeah. a big deal man well it's a big deal to me because i lived it mm -hmm. and i know what it's like um you know financially i've I've been all over the place mm -hmm. and, and I know families in Carbondale who are very affluent and I know families in Carbondale who without assistance would be in really bad shape. And you know what, to me, I think everybody should have that opportunity yeah. regardless. And if, you know, if I, I have to go, uh, I mean, I've loaned out personal instruments of mine to kids to use, uh, and, and, I would, wouldn't blink an eye at it. I, I just want to make sure that they have that opportunity. And it's, that's one thing I, I think is, is good about our school because, I mean, you know, we offer not only band, but we have an orchestra program and a choral program. And we're the only school in southern Illinois that offers that, really. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and uh, we have a marching band. We have a jazz band. We, you know... Uh, I, uh, you know, I, I just love where I work yeah. and, and I love my kids. And, and I, like I said, if I have to, to, I don't know, I will find them an instrument yeah. if they need it. No. And, and I mean, it's, that is, it is so difficult for any school system to find a way to equitably teach all kids, right? Because, Absolutely. because the material means of a family often dictates how much effort a child can put into school or extracurricular activities or whatever that may be. Right. And go ahead. Well, yeah, yeah you know, and, 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 and you said it, the, the word is equitable. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we need to make sure, especially for, for our young kids that 
they are getting what they need. Mm-hmm. You know, every kid learns differently. And, um, and I think any kid, regardless of their learning abilities, their social, economic, you know, whatever, I think music is one of those things that anybody mm-hmm. would be able to experience somehow or another. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, it moves. It moves people. You know, it moves the kids and can really give them something to latch on to. Sure. Um, you know, I know I know kids uh, who I've had over the years that, that said that uh, the, the, the band, and not only the CMS but CCHS, you know, being part of that family too has, has been a lifesaver for mm-hmm. them. And, uh, uh, I mean, it was for me. If, if I didn't have that... I would have been a mess. I mean, yeah. really. Well, and there's, and there's, I mean, it just makes sense as to why, why it's so important to this place and and the spirit of Carbondale and how the spirit of Carbondale as a whole really feeds into the work that you do. Uh, who is 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 the band director? Oh my gosh, he would have been the same band director from when I was probably in school. At, at the high school is yeah. Greg Townsend. Yeah, yeah, great, yeah, Greg, Greg. So I mean, it's the work that you guys do very much feeds into this continuous loop of you know of of a of a musical culture in Carbondale in southern Illinois that because you guys have gotten to experience this in your own particular ways you can take that and then put that into you teaching most of the students the students as they grow up they get out into the scene into uh you know this broader environment that that is you know a mix of you know both commercial and uh, you know, uh, uh, recreational music playing. And now sure. we've created that next generation Absolutely. of folks. I mean, how, uh, I feel like Robbie is a really good example of that because of Robbie, right. <laughs> he's now principal, right? right. And, and how that comes from Rip being a, <laughs> a, a high school teacher and sure. yeah, just how it all comes together. Um, and, and, and kind of a funny note, how the, 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 the Robbie, or the Robbies. Yeah, the Robbies. <laughs> um, 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 Robbie Stokes, I.E., instead of the Y. Uh-huh. So this is, uh, I don't want to say old Robbie, but yeah. I'm going to call him old <laughs> Robbie. Um, so when he was a kid, he used to sit in with my dad's band when they played, the, they had the house gig at the Ramada Inn that was on the far west side of town. They played six nights a week. <laughs> Do what? And yeah, I mean that that's back when you know they had live music in uh-huh. Carbondale, you know. Uh-huh. And and Robbie, I mean, um, Charlie Morrill, all all of the 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 um, senior members of uh, music in Southern Illinois uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, have, have kind of gone through there, you know, and it's kind of cool to see how generation to generation, how it's been passed down. Mm-hmm. Um, and little Robbie, as I still call him, um, <laughs> or principal Robbie, I yeah, should probably call him now. Um, <laughs> you know, he's an amazing musician himself. And, um, and, I, and I know his, his children have got to, they're going to be yep. musical too. I just, I can't, in the blood. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and it's neat. And it's neat. And the, and the effect that it just has on so many people out and out. And, and you know, I look at somebody like Tajay is, uh, you know, a good example of. Oh, Tajay. Yeah. Let's talk about Tajay yeah, for a talk, second. Let's talk about it. Let's talk Ta- about it. Okay, so <laughs> when I, my very first year at Carbondale, uh-huh. 
Tajay's mom was working as an aide at the middle school. And she she uh, was uh, in one of my music classes, and mm-hmm. she said, "Can you teach my boy drums?" And I said, "Well, how old is he?" Well, he's he's in second grade. I'm like, "Um, a little young, don't you think?" Oh no, he can he can play the heck out of drums. So I said, "Bring him to the school, and we'll we'll see." <laughs> so I remember little Tajay coming to the middle school. I set him in front of the drum set, and handed him some sticks, and he was just tearing the drums up. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'll teach him some drum lessons. <laughs> and I knew uh, uh, right away Tajay was, was just such a talented kid mm-hmm. and uh, and it was such a pleasure to work with him and uh, and just to see him grow. And I had his sister, too, in band. Mm-hmm. Um, she's an amazing musician as well. But, uh, but I just remember the first time seeing Tajay, just this little boy, so excited to play drums, could barely reach the kick drum pedal on the drum set. <laughs> but oh my goodness, I knew I said I've got to teach his kids some lessons, mm. um, and I'm so proud to see how he's taken off with it. And uh, you know, um, it's like a proud papa moment. It's good. So. It's good. It should be. It should be. I mean, I, we just seeing him do his thing, and you know, it's arguably his music's not my type of music. I'm not really a metal guy uh, sure. a heavy you know the the screamo type stuff all the sorts of stuff he's into but like arguably i you know i always look at some of these things as or some of these genres of music as very similar to classical music in how varied the music that comes out is right it's not sure. just four chord songs over and over again it's very much you know changes throughout songs and um you know throughout throughout lines of music whatever it may be and uh, I don't know exactly where I'm going with this. I kind of got lost in my thought because I've been doing that since car wreck <laughs> last week. But um, the uh, the whole the whole thought there that uh, just generally musically capable that he can just pick it up and run with it wherever, and that he's got his preferred versions that he plays. But sure. they're they're just adv- they are themselves advanced versions of the generic pop music that we can listen to right. and consume now. You know, and I tell my students this, there are two kinds of music. There's good music and there's bad music. <laughs> um, you know, um, bad music, Yoko Ono. <laughs> bad music. I'm not afraid to say that. If I offend you, Yoko, too bad. <laughs> too bad. Too, I've, never, um, uh, I've never listened to Yoko Ono, so I'm probably looking oh for the my. best. <laughs> I'm probably doing all right. Well, let's uh, imagine like cats outside screaming at like 3 a.m. You know, I don't know. How what, was, what was the show that used to be on WDBX that was just like <laughs> avant-garde noise? They had something very similar on WSIU as well. That's right. just like. I'm sure they played some Yoko. Oh, God. <laughs> so what? So what is good music then? Every other bit of music that's well, not I mean, Yoko Ono? No. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. You know, I, I play a lot of music for my students, and especially now since we're doing remote teaching, yeah. it's not, not exactly like we can all play as a band together. So one of the things that, that I really push for is let, let's experience music, mm-hmm. you know, good and bad. <laughs> and we've listened to everything from uh, Thundercat, which is a tremendous jazz musician, not to not to be confused with the terrible 80s cartoon, The Thundercats. Oh, terrible. Oh, it's horrible. Oh, no, but Thundercats, Thundercats. Oh. Oh, anyway, sorry. Bad. Uh, you know, to um, Esperanza Spaulding, um, 
And then, uh, like I like I was saying uh, earlier, for marching bands, uh, a lot of HBC bands, um, some drum corps stuff. And then, of course, we've seen uh, like the Eastman Wind Ensemble. Um, so we've seen a lot of classical, a lot of jazz, Miles mm -hmm. Davis. Um, and then I've played Rolling Stones. I've played some Beatles for them. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, there are kids that do not know who the Beatles are. I, I mean, and you know, I'm not. A, I'm not. So I'm not a big music listener, and I've never really listened to the Beatles up until the most recent couple of years. So I can see how somebody who's 10, 12, 14, whatever, wouldn't have any context right. of. But at the same time, I've got students who know who Billie Holiday is no. and, and, and uh, Nat King Cole. Oh, so it's awesome. really cool to, to you know, have kids tell me who, who their inspiration is or who, mm -hmm. who they like to listen to. I had one kid say they like the Rat Pack, you know, Frank and all <laughs> those guys. Uh, you know, and this is a 12-year-old kid that you wouldn't think, you know, you'd... Uh, oh, God, Jimmy, no, don't look at the man with the fedora. What are you doing? <laughs> right. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> you know that's mafioso uh, music no <laughs> um how uh, so okay so you're you're a hat guy too uh, yes i am and i and i well, and for I'm obvious a... reasons look how shiny this is <laughs> i it used to have a beautiful thick head of hair and <laughs> did, you, did you really i really did <laughs> i um go through some cchs yearbooks and you'll you'll see me with a, a nice large thick mane uh -huh. and um it just magically vanished <laughs> um, but hey, bald is beautiful, right? Was it was it overnight? Like when 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 did you realize it all had to come off because there was? Um, well, eventually, when I started getting just patches of hair, uh -huh. and then I had like this one tuft of hair right here and nothing <laughs> around it, I'm like, okay, time to get the bick out and shave it. And uh, I've tried. <laughs> I've had students tell me, Mister Frick, grow your hair out. Two months later, and just like a few spots of hair come out, <laughs> they're like, "No, make it stop." You know? So it's it's the opposite of like most you know when when kids get challenged to something in school and the payoff is you get to shave the principal's head or something. Your yours is the opposite. The trick is you gotta grow your hey, I would I, I would love that. <laughs> hey, give me some hair transplants. We'll, we'll do it. Um, oh, I so miss my hair, you know, but uh, it's a lot easier to maintain without it. I haven't been to a barber and. 15 years or longer <laughs> and um yeah uh, but no i love to wear hats and uh i just recently uh, uh i want to give a shout out to uh, mr qualls and his hat shop go. uh because he's got a beautiful array of hats that i have been eyeballing and i've purchased one recently a, ni a nice summer hat so you know there's a difference between summer hats and winter I sure hats, don't, right? but i imagine you're about to tell me okay <laughs> well so you know your spring and summer hats are usually made out of straw uh -huh. or, or a lighter material, and your winter hats are wool. Uh -huh. And uh, so if, if you see somebody in the middle of the summer wearing a wool fedora, they don't know their hats. They're not a hat guy. No, ah. they're, not, they're not a hat person. <laughs> so, um, Is Will Stevens equally a hat guy? Uh, I, think, I think Will and I are on par with hats. Okay. I think Will was mad because I bought the hat that he was going to buy <laughs> from the hat store. Um, so, <laughs> sorry, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> um, oh, that's phenomenal. You know. Uh, uh, no, so, I, I, like the, I like the whole generational thing. So, so, Robbie grows up playing music with your dad. Right. 
Well, he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't a member of my dad's no, band, but, but, but it had he was, sat he was in around. With me. Sorry, I guess I should sure. say having that exposure to it. Sure. And and it's kind of funny. There, um, one of uh, a, one of the bigger bands from Carbondale from the seventies, the Dixie Diesels, that uh-huh. had Sean Colvin in it, uh-huh. um, was kind of a splinter off of my dad's band. My dad's uh-huh. band was Ron and the Bossmen, and the drummer for my dad's group at the time was Brad Davis, and then Brad Davis and crew formed the Dixie Diesels after that. Um, and uh, Charlie Morrill and um, some of the guys that were in the Diesels would be able to tell you that how that morphed uh, better than I can because mm-hmm. I just wasn't around. But, um, you know, a lot of bands today are morphed from bands from yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I mean, Ivis John's band is a conglomeration of different bands all in one. Uh-huh. Um, I think he got his start with the um, Blues Bandits, which was, uh, goodness, they were pretty happening band for a while. And then he played, of course, with uh, Big Larry. Who hasn't played with Big Larry in Southern Illinois? Right. Um, or has been fired. I mean, everybody's been fired by Big Larry, too. <laughs> Um, so how, okay, so let, let's touch on two things. There. Okay. One, how you get fired by Big Larry, and then two, cycling back to how did you get kicked out of your oh, own band? Well, do you want the Big Larry story pick, first? Pick or the, hey, it's up to you. You're oh, the guest. Well, you know, <laughs> I love you know I love Big Larry, and I miss him to death. He gave me so many opportunities, and gave so many musicians opportunities. But he also had uh, a little bit of a temper, uh-huh. um, where if you didn't do exactly what he wanted. Um, he would go James Brown on you and just fire you, um, and sometimes on the spot. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite stories, um, and we did this on uh, Big Larry's documentary about 10 years ago, but um, we were opening for Buddy Guy. Uh-huh. It was Spring Fest, and I don't remember what year it was. We were playing in the huge parking lot of SIU Arena, and uh-huh. it was full of people. I bet there was 5,000 people there. Yeah. This is back when spring thing was really a thing. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. And we were opening up for Buddy Guy. It was the Southern Illinois Blues All-Stars, and it was fronted by Big Larry. I think Tall Paul was in the group at the mm-hmm. time. This was a group that Joe C. from Soundcore had put together. Yeah. Um, I was in the horn section, large horn, horn section. We did arrangements and in practice. And the drummer was one of Joe's employees for, at the music store mm-hmm. who wasn't that great of a drummer, quite <laughs> honestly. And had only we we had recorded the previous week uh, a TV show for uh, Studio A used to have uh, mm-hmm. at Channel Eight used to have a TV show for local acts and things like that, and we had just recorded that TV show with this kid on the drums and he did okay, but I'll never forget and and um, <laughs> this has been a few years ago but I remember Big Larry saying something to the effect, uh, "Slow blues, uh, 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 uh." which was his way of counting off the tune. Uh-huh. The drummer starts playing this wacky rock beat and this amazing look of anger and horror from Big Larry's face. I'll never forget it. I just, just implanted it in my brain. <laughs> and he stops the drummer. Uh-huh. You know, we're playing in front of 5,000 people, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he tells him to get the F off the stage. <laughs> through on his microphone <laughs> and you know the kids mortified I, I, I and we're all just standing there like okay yeah. what are we gonna do and james barnes another 
local talent that's played in several bands over the years, including King Juba. Uh-huh. Happened to be in the audience. <laughs> Big Larry's like, hey, James, James, get up here, man. Get up, get up, get up on the stage. <laughs> J- James gets up on the <laughs> stage, plays on that kid's drum set for the rest of the show. <laughs> and that was that kid's drum set. Yeah. Uh, that could have been Soundcore's drum set. Who yeah, knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Uh, that that's one memory that's cemented in my mind forever. <laughs> um, just and and there's been many cases where uh, um, it, it would be funny. Uh, we would play another friend of mine, Mickey uh, Richardson, who plays drums and had played with Big Larry and my dad over the years and other musicians. Um, we played at Von Jakob one time, and we were playing Mustang Sally of all songs, uh-huh. and. Uh, <laughs> Mickey messed up or something like that, and 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 Larry gets on the microphone. Mickey, if I had my gun right now, I'd kill you. <laughs> <laughs> like we're playing in front of an audience, oh. and just and you know, to an audience member, that's probably pretty scary. But I, I thought it was hilarious. Oh. Um, so that's the big Larry story, and 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 there's been many times where uh, he's told a musician, "Don't play this, don't use that cymbal, uh-huh. don't play tambourine on this song," um, or he would tell me, "Shaddy, play a solo." Okay, that's enough of that solo. <laughs> and uh, God love him, I miss him to death. You know, I was on my toes at every gig, but um, I mean that that really. Playing in his band gave me the confidence, really, to to be able to play in other groups. Yeah. Um, as far as my own group, um, the <laughs> it started out as as a as an SIU jazz combo called uh-huh. Good and Plenty, uh-huh. and we booked a lot of gigs on campus throughout the town. We used to play at the Melange Coffee House, mm-hmm. and then we uh, had um, really good jazz guitar player Zach Harris. Um, came to this through the school of music and uh became part of the jazz combo just through the class mm-hmm. and so we started including him in, in gigs you know the thing that stinks about the college is if you're in a good group somebody graduates and moves away yeah, yeah. you know we got to replace him with somebody so Zach came in and immediately changed the name of the group to Caravan and uh we started working with you know, as people morphed, we had a kind of a core group and we landed a house gig at Tres Hombres every Monday night. And we did that for years. Mm -hmm. And, um, there was a new sax professor at SIU, Todd Raywalt. Um, and I had asked him the semester that I was student teaching. I'm like, Todd, can you sub for me on Monday nights? Because Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to be student teaching. This is my big semester to make it or break it. Yeah. Um, Excuse me. And uh, so Todd filled in for me. And then after I graduated, I came back for one Monday night. And Todd was still there. Uh-huh. And I thought, well, this is a little awkward. Yeah. And the the next day, I get a phone call from Zach. Hey, Shad, this is Zach. <laughs> um, oh, no. We're not going to need you anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> and... um. You know, and Caravan continued for a few years afterwards with d- different instrumentation, and eventually it fizzled out, and yeah. Zach moved to Minneapolis, and he's a very successful jazz musician up there, and I yeah. wish him the best. 
but nothing uh, nothing worse than getting fired from your what I felt was my baby, you know. <laughs> um, so how how so that that's a that's another interesting question sure. to to ask is that how does how how do you manage the relationships in music when there is this much interconnectivity, people's personalities, people coming in and out of bands, people getting fired from bands, people sure. getting hired to bands? Like, wait, do you just kind of like let stuff roll off your shoulders and it is what it is type well, thing, or how how do you handle that? In some cases, you you have to let some things roll off um, because being in a band is is being in a relationship, yeah, and a very close relationship. Um, like uh, my friends in King Juba and with secondhand cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start with Juba. I played in King Juba. This is, I think, our, we've been together 12 years. Wow. 12 or 13 years. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, so out of the group, it's uh, Dave Parrish, James Barnes, Mike Aldifer plays bass, and mm-hmm. I play keys and sax. And then occasionally, uh, Chris Rigdon. Uh, who is my grade school music teacher? He was my grade school principal at Giant City. There you go. <laughs> it's a small, um, small, small world. Small world in um, <laughs> he he's a fantastic saxophonist and great friend, and uh, he subs for me a lot. Or if Mike can't play bass, I'll switch to bass, and Chris will play saxophone. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, the th- thing that's nice about Juba is we we know each other so well, and we've played together so long. It's it's, it's I mean, very stress free. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, in other bands that I've played with, it's been more of a professional relationship where you do your job, and that's about all you see of the musicians until your next rehearsal or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and then, like with secondhand cartoons, I mean, it's like family. I mean, Jermaine's like my brother to me. We're we're very close. I feel and so. I I will never. I I I will always have in the back of my mind how much I owe Jermaine because when I when I was around the first year or two that I was doing stuff for Steve at Quattro's, uh-huh. uh, like I don't even remember how I reached out to Jermaine when I was like, "Hey man, can you try and redo the the jingle? Just to give it a little more pizzazz, whatever." And then Steve just. Steve is just core business, right? There's, there's never, we're not interested in the creative or the this, that, the other. And he shopped it around to several folks, and he's like, nah, I don't like it. And that was that. And I just, I always felt so bad because <laughs> Jermaine dumped heart and soul into that remix, and it was a good remix, like I musically, it but it just wasn't exactly a jingle. And I think that's kind of what what folks feedback gave to Steve. And ever since then, I've just always figured out like. How do I how do I do little favors when I can for Jermaine because I right. owe him for this time years <laughs> ago and that has been on my chest forever, Shaddy. I've never told him about it. I don't tell. Well, other now people he's about he's it. gonna know because I'm gonna tell him to watch his now podcast. Now he's gonna know. Now he's gonna know, <laughs> Jermaine. I've always felt some sort of concern for that time that I didn't launch that jingle that you remade for me, and I liked it, and I appreciated it, and thank you still, and I still owe you favors and will for many years to come. There we go. Jermaine, let's cut an invoice for him. (laughs) We'll split it (laughs) 50-50. But Uh, yeah, Jermaine, and and see, so secondhand cartoons is, is, is a lot of fun because for me, it's a lot of music that I really don't listen to. Yeah. Um I'm I'm a blues and jazz kind of guy and Cartoons is a pop band. 
So we do Journey, Michael Jackson, Maroon 5, that kind of stuff. So it was really kind of a school for me to learn these tunes that to a lot of people are just everyday radio songs. That's yeah. why we call it secondhand cartoons. Because um, <laughs> it's, I, it's I like, stuff you'd like hear the, on the radio. I, I, I like the name, the idea of secondhand cartoons, like playing off of the idea of secondhand smoke and catching the I, I just it's a it's a really good name. Yeah. It's a really good name. Kudos. <laughs> I can't tell you what the original name of the band was gonna be. It's not appropriate for broadcast. Oh dude, we're on the internet. It's you can <laughs> no. say it. Just say it. Unless you think you're gonna get in trouble because you're I might a teacher get, at the school. I, I, I might get in trouble. I'll just say uh, I'll just say it was much more inappropriate than secondhand cartoons. We'll just leave it at that. Fair enough. But uh, <laughs> out of this group, it's Jermaine and his wife Mallory plays keys, and then uh, uh, Bob. Um, oh my gosh, here goes my brain again. Right. Bob Marlowe plays guitar. Um, uh, I play bass. And is then, Bob related to Chad by chance? I have no idea. Okay, cool. Just last name connection. Um, continue. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of Marlows in Southern Illinois. Yeah. But, uh, um, but, and then. Uh, um, we have a f- few different drummers. We have, we have Mike, we have Jimmy, and and Grant, who's actually one of my students. Mm-hmm. And so we we have a Mike's our main drummer, and I can't think of Mike's last name for the la- for my life right now. But uh, but you know we all have a really good friendship and working relationship together. And the the thing that's fun about Jermaine and I is, um, you know. He and I will bicker about tunes, mm-hmm. and he has. I will say he has the upper hand on the knowledge when it comes to pop music for yeah. sure. Um, and every song that we play has been in the top ten on some chart. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, it's been a good good experience for me. It's been a lot of fun. At first, I was really there was a lot of pushback, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Man, I thought we were going to be like a funk and soul band, and we we're just going to do this." And he's like. Shad, are you playing 50 funk and soul bands? Let's do a pop band. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we'll give it a shot. And and I really did. I really pushed back on it, you know. And 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 now I'm glad that that I just went went along and and learned the stuff and played it because people like the music. Uh-huh. It's not something you hear every day. We don't play Mustang Sally, thank God, or Wagon Wheel. Um, Freebird. Our Freebird. No, <laughs> I don't care if that was number one for ten years. No. Um, but it, it's a lot of fun. The other, uh, you know, those are my two main groups that I play with now. Um, uh, a lot of, uh, I've, I've subbed for Ivis quite a few times, and 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 he's uh, just just a very talented musician and a, and a good guy to work with. Um, and um, I've played with uh, Larry Dillard, and I've played. Goodness gracious. It's gonna be like the beginning of the show where I'm just listing off people <laughs> right, again. But well, how do you how do you find time? Like, I know that your life is music, right? And that's that's one thing that kind of helps you get along on that aspect. That you know, part of your work is music. You know, sure. Part of your hobbies are music. I'm sure you know with, with the kids that it's all music and music. But like, even at that, being in several bands all at once and still teaching and doing all these things, what do you do to balance that? How does that happen? Or do well, you just not and kind of throw it to the well, wind and let it I ride? could be silly and say that's the reason why I have no hair. <laughs> uh, but but the reality is you really have to have a good balance. Um, you know, especially after 
uh, my kids were born, I wanted to make sure that I was there for them. I mm-hmm. mean, they're number one to me. And, um, you know, to me, I'm a father first. Yeah. And um, I will, you know, I try to, you know, I used to play four or five nights a week. Mm-hmm. I, I, first of all, as a school teacher, only one person I knew that could do that was Buddy Rogers, who was my saxophone teacher. <laughs> and he was a very successful band director uh-huh. and still played gigs almost every night for years. Yeah. And it had the house gig at Pinchpenny playing with Mercy um, for 40 years. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know how he did it, but it's it's really a balance. And for me, if I'm playing, you know... There for a while, I was playing every weekend, and it's and it still worked. Sometimes it's every other weekend. Sometimes it's three times a weekend. <laughs> um, but I make sure, or at least I try my best to make sure that it doesn't take away from my family, and or, or take away from my profession. My oh, I'm a professional musician, but my professional job as a teacher. Yeah. Um, I would never. Um, You're not going to go out gigging all night and partying hard just oh, no, to, no. Well, <laughs> just and, and, to drop off work the next and day. That, and, that, and that's the other thing, too. When, you know, when I'm when I'm working as a musician, mm-hmm. I, I will not um, I will not party, per se. You yeah. know, a lot of times musicians get the free booze and whatever. Mm-hmm. I might have a drink. Yeah. Um, but I learned as a young, stupid college student years ago that <laughs> that, that could make you uh, fail miserably. Yeah. Um, if you're trying to play a gig and is there, is there one particular story that you have in mind that sticks out? Oh my goodness. Um, (laughs) I was playing with the band, uh, chicken foot gumbo Uh and we were playing at the cellar of all things. Uh And, um, uh, Paul Stokes and his wife were handing me this nice top shelf whiskey on ice. Like, before the gig, uh-huh. during the first set, I don't think I made it past the first set. Oh no! Um, and I was ca- I, I carried up to my truck where I slept, <laughs> and, and I, I really don't remember that. And that was it for me. Yeah. I mean, one one time screw up. I mean, thank goodness it, mm-hmm. it, it was a situation where I was amongst friends and people that I knew that that was forgiving. Yep. Because I mean that could make or break somebody professionally mm-hmm. if you if you do something stupid. Absolutely. And you know, and I'm very honest about that with my students. I don't go over specifics with, with with stupid things. But but I say you know be careful what you do because, um, it could really affect the rest of your life negatively if you're yeah. not careful. I mean um, one one mistake. Yeah. That's it. It it really can make or break you. Um. And not, not only that, but from from a health standpoint and, and from the fact that I'm really, really adamant against drinking and driving, mm-hmm. um, it's just not a good good mix. And, you know, what other job would I go get to get drink booze and work? Yeah. I mean. <laughs> you're not. You're not. I like, mean, the reality, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not going to show up to the office every day and be no, like, I mean, hey, got a thermos full of. <laughs> Full of I mean, vodka here. If, if I went to school and instead of a soda machine, they had a beer machine. <laughs> oh, it's lunch break. <laughs> oh, I got to teach jazz band here in a few minutes. Oh, yeah, that's, you know. that's gonna. I'm gonna have to pony up for the tall boy on this one. <laughs> Wait, uh, yeah, it wouldn't work. Yeah, I mean, could you see somebody uh, like, like I'm, I'm imagining a roofer? 
uh-huh. somebody working on the roof of a house just blitzed. Yeah. I mean, just talk yeah. about a mistake. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely <laughs> right, man. And I, I you know, I've experienced it uh, you know, in the comedy world. Like you know, it in and, and that is that is the difference no matter what level of professionalism you're at, right? Whether it's five dollars or five thousand. If somebody's paying you, you're a professional. Absolutely. So that's textbook definition right there. And that you've got to take it seriously. You don't you don't have to take it as if it's not fun, but you do have to take it as if it is work. Because at the end of the day, you got two options when you're producing art. It is either work or it is, you know, entertainment and, and for, for, you know, development of self. Sure. Right. And you can do either or, but you really need to be focused if you're approaching it from a standpoint of work. Right. Well, and even in my studio at home, um, you know, I could, very easily sit back in my chair and mix some tunes and pound away some beverages. Mm-hmm. But still, if I'm working for a client or even on my own stuff, yeah. I want to be fresh. I, you know, Sharp. I don't want to be clouded yep. in chemicals or whatever. I just, it's, it's not my thing. Um, and I know some people that, that swear by whatever they do to, mm-hmm their makes their music better or, or whatever and th- and that's fine if it works for them but mm-hmm. it, it doesn't for me and 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 you know especially if if i want to lead by example you know yeah i i try to be a what you see is what you get kind of person yep. and i don't want to be an example for my students that says no you shouldn't do this this and this and then go play a gig the weekend mm-hmm. and just get wasted yeah i'm what kind of hypocrite would i be mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I just, I just can't do that. I really can't. Um, and, uh, you know, so very, very often people ask me, well, where do you ever go out to this place or do you ever go out to that place? I'm like, the only time I ever really get to go out is if I'm playing a, a job somewhere. Yeah. Um, otherwise I'm very much a homebody, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, I get to, to enjoy my family and, and and work in my studio. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, um, but yeah, I think there's a, there's a thin line between, you know, having fun and being just stupid. Yeah. And I've worked with musicians, um, who are fantastic musicians when they are straight headed, <laughs> but boy, once they either, you know, God knows what they ingest mm-hmm. are just not, able to play yeah and it's really sad um you know and frustrating for me especially if i'm playing a a supporting instrument like bass or Mm -hmm. something and i'm having to pull somebody along because they're just so blitzed that they can't perform yeah um and thankfully that hasn't happened very much recently but um you know man uh in my younger days um our funk band minimum wage there'd be a, a couple people in the band. I mean, it was a 10 piece band. Yeah. Oh, wow. And that's a, that's a big you know, band. we were modeled off the blues brothers really. Okay. And, and, um, you know, get a, get a couple of the guys in the, in the band, especially in the horn section, those darn horn players, <laughs> um, would just pound away at the liquor and it's cause you can hide your breath in the instrument. Oh, I guess. <laughs> um, and by, by the last set of the evening, they, they sounded like trash. Mm-hmm. And I would get so frustrated because, I mean, we were a good band. And uh, to, to 
just hear the quality from from my standpoint just died because of choices yeah oh okay i'm off my soapbox no you're good <laughs> man I, I tell you what that's um that's really that's really perfect because i i like to kind of wrap these things up with oh, we always about the hour mark we always land somewhere on a lesson it just seems like that's where the conversation goes and that's where you landed on was kind of that that final lesson take it seriously mm-hmm. It's all you got to do. If you if you really want to do something in music and performance and art, take it seriously. Absolutely. And it, but and, and even though you're taking it seriously, have fun with it. Yep. You know you got to love it because if you're not loving it, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I remember when I was in the school of mu- music at SIU, how m- so many students, fellow musicians that were so talented, but were just didn't want to practice yeah and and then you know when it came time to perform they wondered why they stunk (laughs) well you know there's practice rooms there for a reason and and on the other hand i knew some musicians that lived in the practice rooms and had no social life (laughs) but now they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars playing for professional symphony orchestras and things like that so Either you get, or. <laughs> you get out of it what you put into it. Right. <laughs> Shani, I really appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much. Really, it was a really good show. And that, uh, that's episode 10. Shaddy Frick kind of breaking us into uh, the, uh, the bit of musical history here in Carbondale. Hopefully we'll be able to bring on some more uh, of the folks that he's talked about in this interview. Uh, I've got just a couple folks in mind off the top of my head, so uh, we'll see if we can get them on here uh, in in due time while Shaddy's interview is fresh in our minds just as well. So thanks for watching, folks. Have a good one, whatever that one may be.